Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ghost ships may seem like a story from a famous pirate franchise, but is there more than meets the eye here? Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and in this episode, we shall be exploring the high seas and ghost ships. Ghost ships and phantom ship tales have been passed around throughout centuries by sailors, anglers and others. These mysterious ships are seen as spectres that materialise in the middle of the sea and then quickly disappear and are seen as a bad omen. Abandoned ships found adrift and left desolated under fearsome and cryptic circumstances are also included in this category. As I've discovered, ghosts and paranormal activity don't just occur on land, they happen at sea. And I've been lucky enough to spend time on several alleged haunted ships. And some of these investigations have, in my opinion, been the best and most compelling. There's something so eerie when you hear of a story where a phantom ship has been seen floating lifelessly on the water. Observers go out to the vessel only to discover that there is no one on board. It is then become known as a phantom ship. Such stories and tales have been told, embellished and retold over hundreds of years and each time they're heard, their audience uh, is enraptured. The Flying Dutchman, the Marie Celeste and SS Valencia uh, are just a few. My own experiences aren't as amazing as discovering a phantom ship, but they are fantastic nonetheless. I'll begin with telling you about my experiences on the wonderful Queen Mary, which is docked in Long Beach, California, USA. Myself and my investigation team uh, flew out to America for a long summer of filming. As we were going to be away from the UK, Carl, my husband and I decided to take our two children, Will and Mary, along with us. This was going to be an adventure of a lifetime, and it certainly was. The Queen Mary has a wonderful history and has had many a famous celebrity walk its docks. It began life in 1936. It was built in Scotland and made for the Cunard White Star Line. The Queen Mary travelled prominently from Southampton to New York as a passenger liner and during World War II she was converted into a troop ship transporting servicemen and women during the conflict. After the war, the Queen Mary was refitted and began life as a passenger commercial ship once more. She dominated the seas as one of these ships to sail on across the Atlantic and did so very successfully until 1967, where the ship sailed from Southampton to Long Beach, California for the last time. 
Now the ship is a hotel, restaurant and a museum. Unfortunately, the Queen Mary's future isn't certain as the leaseholders do face bankruptcy. I just hope that some billionaire will buy her, love her and look after her and so the Queen Mary can stay afloat. But what about the ghosts? And there are plenty of them, let me tell you. So Carl and I had adjoining cabins with Will and Mary. It was a fabulous feeling living on that ship, partly because nothing seemed to have changed since the 1940s. The decor had remained the same. It was like stepping back in time. Even the music that was piped through into the restaurants and reception areas was a big band, Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman. It was fabulous and I absolutely loved it. I remember the first thing that happened of a paranormal nature. It occurred during the night time. As I said, Carl, myself were in one room and William and Mary were in bunk beds in another room and we had a door that, that was adjoining and we kept that door open. Above the beds, there were the pull lights so you could hear them snap on if someone needed to turn the light on or off. In the middle of the night, I was woken up by a light being snapped on in the children's room. So, obviously, being a mum, you want to check what's going on. So I put my slippers on, my dressing gown on and went through the door into their bedroom. And the light was on by the bed. But both of the children were fast asleep. I thought it was a bit odd. So I turned the light off, it made the clicking noise and I went back to bed. I was woken up again by the same noise which was really strange. But then what followed were the sounds of children's footsteps walking around William and Mary's bedroom. Again, I went back through the adjoining door, went into their bedroom, the light was on, but the children were fast asleep yet again. Now, this happened nearly every single night. And when I asked William or Mary, had they got out of bed to go to the toilet or anything like that? They all said no. And they didn't remember the light being switched on. It never woke them up whatsoever. And they never reported hearing footsteps. So that was the first thing that happened. Obviously, during our investigations of this incredible ship, we did discover an awful lot of paranormal activity. But one of the most favourite moments that I remember was asking, <laughs> we all drew straws into uh, who would stay and sleep the night in the most haunted cabin of the Queen Mary. And I remember one poor unfortunate soul drew the straw and he was absolutely petrified. This one room that we asked a member of the team to stay in had been closed off. Um, it was locked up and there was nothing in there apart from a single bed and some coat hangers in the wardrobe area. Uh, there were no doors on the wardrobe. It was just, just like a cubicle with, with the hangers hanging inside. Um, and they the staff had closed off this particular bedroom because people were so frightened. Um, they reported lights being switched on and off, noises, screaming, shouting, talking, uh, and there was nobody there. Um, some people even reported their uh, bed being, shake uh, being shaken in the middle of the night, waking them up. So, of course, they closed it down because nobody wanted to stay in it. So this poor, unfortunate member of the Most Haunted team <laughs> did have a drink or two of whiskey uh, to bolster their nerves before they, they spent the night there. We positioned a locked off camera in the room and the sound was recording at the same time. And what we discovered the following morning was just incredible. It was wonderful, but absolutely terrifying. The investigator went to sleep. Uh, was fine. And then we hear 
the sounds of the metal coat hangers being moved. So you hear them being moved. There's nobody else in the room. The investigator wakes up with the noise. You hear you hear them sitting up in bed, looking around, and he's obviously half asleep because he sort of looks around, closes his eyes again, and goes back to sleep and pulls the duvet over his head. Then the second thing to happen is you actually hear movement and footsteps in the room as if somebody's walking around, and then you hear this. Mummy? Oh, my God. It's it's so clear. Uh, it's 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 fantastic, and it's a wonderful piece of of EVP. It blows my mind every time I hear it. It also makes me shudder, and goosebumps go all over me. It really is that, mummy. It's the way that it says it. It's it's unbelievable, uh, absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, the next thing that I found fascinating um, was we were investigating by the indoor swimming pool. Uh, of the Queen Mary and it was all dark we had our night vision cameras and we suddenly discovered that uh, we looked down on the floor and we found these wet footprints and it was fascinating because we were all wearing shoes and what made it fabulous was there was no water in the swimming pool at all not a drop Um, and for anybody to have gone outside of the area that we were in to take their shoes off to come back in and to put two footprints standalone footprints by the side of the pool with no trail of water no water drops no nothing was extraordinary it couldn't have been done and not only that but anybody who's been to the queen mary will know you're not actually the water is so many so many hundreds of feet below you it's just not possible the ship is dry docked so you know you're not you can't feel the the sway of the water beneath you you can't just sort of sit on the on the dock and dangle your feet over make your feet wet and come back in it just doesn't happen and the reason why I'm saying this is because the footprints we tested them were salt water and the pool would have been normal water not salt water so that completely blew all my theories out of the water. What had made those salt water footprints? And they were standalone. None of our crew members could have done it. Um, and there was no water trail. So that for me was absolutely fantastic. The ghost stories uh, to do with the Queen Mary just go on and on and on. There were so many different types of ghost stories. Um, it, it was just wonderful. And that's why we spent so much time investigating that particular ship. One of those frightening parts was actually going down into, uh, right into the hull uh, where all the machinery was. I mean, that was absolutely petrifying. And it was so huge. It's a massive, massive ship. Uh, for anybody that has the chance to go and investigate the Queen Mary before um, it gets taken over or it gets stripped bare, take the opportunity. Go. It's absolutely fantastic. Another ship I had the pleasure of investigating was the Discovery, uh, which is docked in Dundee, Scotland. Um, the RRS Discovery originally was built for Antarctic research and first sailed in 1901. The first adventure Discovery undertook was the British National Antarctic Expedition, and it was headed by Robert Scott 
and Ernest Shackleton. This venture would become known as the Discovery Expedition. And after many years sailing as an expedition vessel, eventually she was refitted and dry docked in Dundee, where today people can visit it as an attraction. And what an experience this turned out to be for me and my team. It's a beautifully kept vessel. If you've never uh, been to to see it, you have to go. Uh, it's, It's just wonderful. Inside it, it feels like nothing has changed since its birth in 1901. You can still imagine the men, the animals, all the equipment, um, all the living and working together. You know, they were all crammed in there for months on end. You you could really taste it and feel it. It It was almost as if it was all still happening as you were standing there. The highlight came for me uh, when we were conducting a seance. Uh, in, in the main room, I call it the main room, there was a, there was a big wooden table. And I suppose it was where they, the, the crew and Shackleton and, uh, and Scott would have spent the majority of their time talking with each other, eating, uh, resting, you know. And so we all decided to do a seance around this main uh, table. Uh, and we, we sat around it. There were a few of us. And above us was, was a, I think there was a light um, that was switched off. Um, and we, we started doing this seance. And it was incredible because I was asking for things to happen. And we all heard this, this, this sort of something drop on the table. And we turned the light on and, and, and it was a dice and it was a really old dice. And we thought, my God, where's this come from? This is incredible. And then something else dropped and then something else dropped. I can't remember what they were, but they were, but they were sort of like uh, small objects, like bits of wood or, uh, you know, like I say, a dice or a bit of glass or something. It was, it was incredible. And then you'd hear um, glass um, sort of tinkling against each other. So, there was a, a, another room that was off this main room and it was where they kept all their equipment. So sort of like chemicals or, or liquids that they would use uh, and, and test tubes and bottles that would, they, they would collect samples in. And these glass bottles and test tubes were actually tinkling and touching each other when we asked for them to happen. So you'd hear the sound. Now the sound man went into that room and he said, oh my God, the sound's coming from in here. And as he came out, something hit him really heavily in the back, in in between his shoulder blades. And then something, that something dropped onto the floor and rolled underneath us. Well, we were desperately trying to find what it was and all our torches went on. And we found this, what can only be described as, and I know it has a proper name, but it was like a huge button um, and it, or, or a cog. And it was, it was quite it's sort of like a side plate size. And it had three holes uh, in it. And around the edge, it was scooped out almost as if a rope would be used around. It, was, it, it seemed like it was part of a pulley system. Uh, and none of us really knew what it was. We took it to the curator of the ship. And he actually said to us, well, you must have taken it out of the uh, the museum underneath the glass um, showcases and the dice. And we said, well, we haven't. So we went with us to part of the museum and and he could see that the glass compartments hadn't been broken into. We didn't have any of the keys. And he was dumbfounded. He really was. He said, well, I don't understand where this has come from. This is incredible. And I wish to this day that we would have fought to have kept those objects, but obviously 
you know, the curator kept them. And he obviously assumed, because I think he was a complete skeptic, um, that, I don't know, somehow we'd managed to bring objects from another ship, perhaps. I don't know. He was very nice, but you could see he was sort of like, yeah, so you're saying this has come from nowhere? I knew that they had been given to us by the spirit world. I really did. And I knew that they'd been dropped down for us because that's what we were asking for. It was an apport. It was a gift. And we've talked about these things happening before. Weirdly enough, a few weeks later, um, I was actually doing another investigation. And I think it was at uh, Dartford Library. The name rings a bell. It was at some library anyway. Um, And It really was extraordinary because while I was waiting for the cameras to reset, it's the opening of the show where I talk about the history and and, and I was stood by a, a shelf and I just happened, bearing in mind we'd just done the discovery a couple of weeks before, and I just happened to look down and see a book and it was about Scott and Shackleton. And I thought, how bizarre. So I took the book out and I started flicking through the pages and I couldn't believe it because there in black and white was a picture of Ernest Shackleton and around his belt, dropping from his belt was a piece of rope and there was that wooden cog. There it was. I couldn't believe it. And I think I stopped filming. I think we even did a little piece on it explaining what I'd just found. So to me, it was absolutely extraordinary that we had found this piece of, I don't know what it was, piece of Shackleton's equipment that he used. I don't know what it was used for, but he'd given it to us as a gift. And I will never forget that as long as I live. And it's one of my favourite investigations ever. And that was on Discovery. I mean, how wonderful was that? What a gift. This week's story is from Chris Whitehouse, who found something strange when visiting York with his paranormal investigation team that hasn't stopped following them. Hello, my name is Chris Whitehouse and I'm in the team Whitehouse Investigations. I've investigated with Yvette three or four times and with more sorted experience. She and the team signed my Ouija board and Yvette and I got talking about copper wire on the glass on a Ouija board so you don't have to put your finger on the glass you just hold the wire instead which is obviously much more intriguing since you're not actually touching it and I wanted to tell you about a case when we went to York Stonegate area in a and b the team went for two nights and I only arrived on the second night first night the team got in touch with around five spirits in the building knowing that there was a sick mysterious one who wouldn't seem to come through but they were all warned about him and on the second night when I came we got in touch with this character called Sam who had had an illicit baby with the nanny from the night before uh, and I think he killed the baby. Sam wanted uh, to get at us because we'd ended up moving over the lady who we'd had a kid with and she was complaining of him always persecuting her, having a go, hunting her down. So we crossed her over, and that kind of infuriated Sam. Uh, I ended up trying to do a banishing ritual, and that didn't work. And then Sam was just really angry and wanted to hurt us in our sleep on the second night. 
So this was like the first location that we felt we were in too deep and we actually had to leave and not investigate the second night. Well, that wasn't the end of the story. We went away to locations closer to home and opened up to just ask for advice from other spirits how we could deal with this Sam character. And ever since that, Sam has actually come through whenever we will open up a Ouija board uh, and he proves it's him. The activity is just beyond anything other spirits that we've ever had. He's very strong. In fact, other spirits have said that he's now inhuman because there have been rituals done to amplify his power and things like that. But yeah, the, the fascinating thing that almost like a mobile phone, you pick up the receiver no matter where you are and Sam just finds you, hunts you down by whatever signal you open. We still haven't been back to his York location, but he's threatening to to hurt us and get payback when we do. But it's just interesting that he's always around when we investigate, which I didn't think was possible. I thought you had to be at a location to contact those spirits. But he just seems to go above and beyond to find us wherever we, we are. And I just thought that was really interesting. Chris mentioned about copper wire on a glass when you're using a Ouija board. Well, I wanted to come up with some sort of invention that would actually prove that it is spirit moving the glass rather than micromuscular movement that we would make uh, using our fingers when we touch the glass. So I thought, right, okay, let's take the glass, let's drill um, some holes into the top of the glass and out of those holes, we attach some copper wire. The copper wire is then bent upwards and in a huge arc and then comes down to attach, be attached uh, to the Ouija board. And then where the, uh, the wire is flattened on the board, you actually put your fingers on that, not on the glass. So in fact, the only thing that's connected to you and to the glass is the copper wire. And the reason why you use copper wire is because copper is supposed to be a fantastic conductor of electricity and of energy. And I got the idea from when the Victorians were very much into seancing, a lot of them would actually sit holding copper wire and the copper wire would go from person to person and be passed around in a big circle. So you'd all hold this big circle of copper wire. Well, we did this experiment and it was absolutely fantastic to me because the glass moved on its own. It was fabulous. It only moved a little bit, but it did move on its own when prompted and when asked. So Chris and I were talking at length about this way of, of communicating and using copper wire and, and how positive uh, of an experiment it was uh, and how we should use more of it. I think spirits, Chris, um, will only move on when they really want to. And in a lot of cases, they often need help from a guide, uh, from somebody on the other side to help them. So you've got somebody here on this plane and then somebody on the other plane and working together to sort of push that that spirit and and um, and let them know that it's nothing to be scared of. But as I say, that they've they've got to really want to move on. And we had something similar happen to us. I don't know if you remember watching um, uh, some of the Most Haunted Lives, but there was a spate where we got a, a, a spirit come through and each time he would spell out his name, Jake, and then he would say that he was going to kill me and 666 and he is the devil himself. And that 
every time we opened a Ouija board, Jake would come through and Jake would be aggressive and Jake would threaten. And at the beginning, I was really frightened of it and used to, I used to have trouble sleeping, especially if I was on my own uh, in the house, because I think, oh, what if Jake's followed me? What if, what if he has? But eventually he disappeared uh, and went away. And I think a lot of negative entities can come through and almost they delight in frightening you. They delight in scaring you. So I, I also think you should tell this this uh, spirit that you've got that's seemingly following you, tell him to bog off and do one and eventually he will go away. I think if you give them too much credit, um, some of these playful spirits will play on that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, be strong and, and, and tell them to go away and keep using the copper wire, Chris. Thanks so much for getting in touch. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back. Today we're speaking to a returning guest on the podcast, an expert on ghost ships and, of course, on the paranormal. It's my lovely husband, Carl Beatty. Now, I'm very, very proud and delighted to have with me uh, on my podcast uh, as my, I have to say, you're my favourite guest ever. Oh, that's very nice. It's my husband, Carl. You're my favourite interviewer ever. <laughs> and the reason why I've asked you on is because you're somewhat of an expert um, when it comes to ships. And I can actually say that your office, and tell everybody now, is full of, full of, I mean, full of really, <laughs> really wonderful. No, you've got some amazing relics, apart from your wife. 
Christ, um, <laughs> that, that comes from the sea. You've got bits of ship, you've got bullets, you've got all sorts of paraphernalia to do with, with ships that have gone down. And it's just absolutely fascinating. So which out of all of the, the ghost ship stories or, or the mysteries of ships do you find fascinating the most? Well, I, I always find that the whole of the, the ghost ship and the mystery ship as being a fascinating thing anyway. And we all do. It's something that opens our minds. Uh, the sea, because we don't know what's underneath it. We, mm. you know, we're, we're flying off to other planets, and yet we still don't know what's in the sea. That's so true. Um, and it's the one place in, when someone's on a ship, you're on a floating island that you don't know what's underneath you. And so your mind can just go to these really strange places. And obviously sea monsters and ships have, have, have been seen throughout history. But out of all of the sort of ghost galleons and all of this, and there's some very famous ones, which, you know, the, the, the Flying Dutchman and obviously the Mary Celeste. I think one of mine is this ghost ship that's, that's I believe, was cursed. Mm-hmm. And it's um, the SS Great Eastern, which was Isabard Kingdom Brunel's huge Goliath of a ship. Is that, that the one that we investigated? You're talking about the one we investigated on no, that's haunted? Oh, this is no, a we've, different we've one. we've not done that. That was the SS Great Britain, mm. which we've done that, which is in Bristol. This was huge, uh, made of iron, uh, double, double-skinned double hull. Uh, it was sail-powered with a paddle wheel. It took 2,000 men three years to build. Good God. This is it's such a huge ship. It could carry 4,000 passengers, which is 1,500 more than the Titanic. Now, if you go back to when this thing started, the trouble started when it was being built. Mm. And uh, it started when uh, two riveters were working on the inside of the hull. That was between the two skins of the hull. They disappeared. No one could find them, and they thought, oh, I wonder if they've riveted themselves within the hull. But they, they tried to find them, and they, they couldn't find them. So that was the first thing. Two people uh, two people were missing. Uh, when the, sh- the ship was being launched in 1858, one of the mooring cables broke and killed one of the people on the, uh, on the launch pad. Uh, it killed two people, sorry. On, the maiden, on her maiden voyage at sea, the boiler exploded. It killed... Three people and um, severely wounded five others. One man who was in fear of his life when he saw these explosions going, this is a brand new ship, by the way, with all the the latest technologies. Um, So when it started to explode, one man jumped overboard and was crushed by the paddle wheel as as he tried to escape. What a way to go. Oh, it it just beggars belief. When the ship dropped its anchor uh, in, in, in one port, the captain and four crew took a small boat to shore. As they as they do, mm. and they were hit by this freak wave that no one saw coming, just just out of the blue, overturned and all were drowned. When it uh, the ship uh, landed in New York, it collided with a dock. Uh, when two inspectors came to inspect the damage, they inexplicably both fell overboard and were dr- and drowned. I think we can say this: this ship, the SS, what's it called again? SS Great Eastern. Great Eastern, uh, it's definitely cursed. Well, they, they, another sailor fell, <laughs> drunkenly fell overboard and drowned. That, the thing is, that's probably not cursed. That has happened. Yeah, I imagine yeah. it's happened a lot over the years. But the the, the stories of the Great Eastern were got round so fast, and they were taken so seriously by pers- prospective passengers that, bearing in mind, as we said earlier, it could take up to four thousand passengers. Only thirty five paying passengers attended its first ever commercial voyage, and when they were on that voyage. They heard a knocking, bang, bang, bang. 
as they were going from within inside the hull of the ship. Now, this happened over a number of years, and it was only when the ship was being dismantled they found the skeleton of one of the riveters. So, so, but the the this this riveter would have died very quickly. So, uh, yeah. was it his ghost? It must have been banging on the on the hull. And these people, these passengers, would complain about hearing this banging sound at night. Bang, oh, bang from the from the inside mm. of of uh, their cabins. Um, people saw dark shadows moving around the, um, the the ship. They saw people jumping overboard that 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 weren't there. So, why do you think then that? that it was haunted like this? Why was it so cursed? Why did it kill so many people? You don't know, do you? It, it, it's, I always have a problem with cursed objects because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether I believe in curses as such because I think curses work if you believe them. I think anything's possible. That's um, been proven to me time and time again. Yeah, and I'm open-minded to, mm. to, to that. But curses, uh, I just think maybe this ship, what it was made of, where the materials came from, Maybe the ground, or maybe it was just something that was just bad mm, luck. Mm. You know, some, sometimes things happen. Buildings that they, you know, a building can come off from nowhere mm. and just be filled with bad luck and death and, and and debauchery and pain. So you don't know. I just think it may be one of those ships. I mean, sadly, it it, it was launched in um, 1856, and only in 1866. It's not long. Mm. It was converted to um, a cable laying ship. And then later on, it uh, it was used as a music hall and, uh, and basically an advertising. This beautiful, great ship was used as an advertising hoarding for a shop in Liverpool um, before being broken up in 1889. Wow. And bear in mind, you, you, you add to this, I don't think this has anything to do with a, this alleged curse, but, um, I mean, uh, Brunel died very shortly after its, its launch. No, yeah, that might be just a coincidence, I'm sure. But who who knows? Like you yeah. say, I mean, wow. I, I mean, there's no way. I I would never have gone on that ship. Would you? Would you step on a on a plane or a ship knowing that it had had a history like that? It, do you know? Isn't it weird? I probably wouldn't a plane because I just think you know, if a plane's got a problem, there's not a lot you can do. At least with a ship, it has lifeboats, and I'm pretty sure I'd have a good go at swimming. <laughs> then again, if I fell out of a plane, I'd have a good go at flying. But um, <laughs> but I just think that the whole of the, the, the ghost ship, it, it, you're isolated. When you're out there on the mm. sea, you're isolated. Yeah. And, and it can be, even though you're on a ship with lots and lots of other people, it's a lonely place. Mm. And if something happens, you are on your own, especially you go back into the Victorian period where we didn't have mobile phones. There wasn't the, the – the, they didn't even have – Marconi um, wireless system at that point. Mm. So to getting information from a ship in danger to someone else to help it was 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 a huge task. Yeah. What about the Marie Celeste? Now the Marie Celeste is it's one of my favorite. I think it's most people's favorite ship. Well, right? you see, I didn't really know much about it. I still don't, and until you sort of you you, you told me a bit about. It. Haven't you got something from that? Yes, I've got two objects from that. Go on then. Uh, I, I have a, um, a button mm -hmm. that was taken from it and, and also um, a piece of cutlery, a fork that was on the ship. For those of you who don't know what the Mary Celeste is, um, it's, uh, it was a ship uh, built in Nova Scotia. It was originally called the Amazon. Mm -hmm. People don't realise this. It was launched on the 18th of May, uh, 1861. Mm -hmm. But the reason its name was changed from the Amazon to the Mary Celeste was because of a series of unfortunate incidents. Mm -hmm. 
the first captain on board for no reason became ill and died. It crashed into another ship in the English Channel. After that, and some other events where it ran aground, it had some uh, issues that it shouldn't have had, um, they changed its name. In maritime terms, changing a name of a ship is supposed to be bad luck anyway, but they changed it to the Maris Less. Now, on the 7th of November, um, 1872, it left New York Harbour uh, to go to uh, Genoa uh, in Italy. Now, on board, there was just the uh, the captain, Benjamin Briggs, his wife, Sarah, their two-year-old daughter, uh, Sophia, and eight crew members. Less than a month later, uh, around the December the 5th, it uh, a, a ship called the uh, the, the De Gracia, Gracia uh, spotted her in full sail. So she was you know, in full sail means she was going with the wind. She mm-hmm. was she was traveling at speed or would be traveling at speed. But she was adrift about 400 miles uh, from the Azores. Uh, with no sign of the captain, the, the, the whole ship was empty. There no family, no uh, no pets, nothing. There were several feet of water in the hold, uh, and, and one missing lifeboat. And a lot of people forget the lifeboat being missing because a lifeboat being missing means they they abandoned the ship. Off, yeah, but that's not something people want to know about. They want the mystery mm. also. Um, but there was at least six months worth of food, water. The the, the chair, one chair was upturned. There's stories of meals being on the table. We, we, we don't know whether that was true or not. The one person we've got to add to the whole mystery of it really was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm. He jumped into this thing and wrote the story about the mystery of the Mary Celeste. Yeah, there are different things that it could be. There's, there's obviously mutiny, the pirates, easily there's alien abduction. Natural disasters. Uh, I, I don't really believe in the natural disaster theory because if you've got a the sea starting to get bad and the the, the waves are coming over the top, you're not going to get into a smaller ship, no, a smaller boat. No, as as a um, it's obviously insurance fraud, which is what the 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 people who found the ship they were kind of. There's a lot of speculation whether when they found it, did they get rid of the crew? Because if they can get the salvage rights on the, on such a lucrative thing, uh, again you've got giant squids. As daft as that sounds, we know there are giant yeah, squids. Um, but again, why would it, it, it attack a ship? You have the the haunting thing where ghosts appeared. Now, there's talk of certain people on the ship had. Um, had been doing some things that they shouldn't have been doing, and the ghosts of those people had had followed them on the ship and forced everyone off by their apparitions. There's that, and there's also the the, the cargo. It was a, a denatured alcohol, which is which is poisonous. And when um, they think that maybe the barrels, which are porous to a point, salt water could have got in, and fumes would have would have risen, uh. making them think the fumes would have been poisonous, but also it would have meant they I thought the ship was on fire. Or they could have died from the poison. Hence, grabbing hold of a sh- her um, lifeboat. A lifeboat and and zooming off. I think that sounds to me the most plausible explanation. Sadly, yes, because I want it to be. I want it to be the strange thing where people did it. But I that's only to be ghosts. That's what I want it to be. Yep, yeah, that's not the only. See, there's this. That's probably the most famous ship. Mm. But there's much scary ones Go where, on. where people. I mean, there's um, the Orang Medan. One of my favourites. It's not that well known, but it's one of my favourites. And it was because um, it's fairly recent in the grand scheme of things. 1947, um, two American ships uh, were were passing the Strait of um, um, Malacca on a rescue mission. 
because they found they had this distress call from Orang Madan. The caller from the ship claimed to be a crew member and conveyed to see the message he conveyed was that of death. He said there was death um, uh, uh, of everyone on board had, had died. And his the last words he spoke was, I die. I die. I die. So when they found this uh, ship, the ship was completely unharmed, but the entire crew, including the dog, mm. was dead. But every single one of them had a terrified expression on their face. Oh, wow. What did Frozen they see? Frozen on their face. No one knows. So with all these expressions on their faces, there was a huge investigation needed to be done um, about why this happened. But before they could get people off the ship, before they could investigate properly, the ship mysteriously exploded and caught fire and sank. Wow. And no one knows why. And have there been any logical explanations put forward? Um, th there are some, but there's none. Um, a lot of it requires the fact that the ship would have had to have been importing illegal substances, which mm. is is a possibility, but there's no proof of that. And so it, it's kind of we're making things fit. We're making uh, you know a round peg fit into a square hole into this particular thing, I think. Again, you know, the, the other things that surround it are, did they see an alien? Did they see a ghost? Did they mm. see a, a, a sea monster? But this is... Fairly recent. I mean, this was just after the First World War finished. Uh, Second World War finished. Wow. And what was that ship called again? It's called the Orang Medan. Orang Medan. Yes. Okay. I've never uh, ever heard of that story before. Right. How fascinating. It's, I mean, it's not. You've got the the, the Carolay Denning as well, which is which is a very famous haunted uh, ship. Ran aground um, in uh, Diamond Shoals near Cape um, Hatteras, uh, in North Carolina. Now, this is this is a similar kind of thing that that. Um, it was in 1921 when it ran aground. Uh, it was stuck there for quite a few days before any rescue could get out there to to get the people off. But it wasn't in any danger of sinking. Um, when the Coast Guard got on there, they found that the equipment logbook lifeboats were missing, and the ship. But the ship was otherwise completely abandoned, but undamaged. Uh, I love stories like that. It's they're really spooky, aren't but, they? But it, it's around that. That's all getting where that would have gone to. It had mm. to, you know probably gone through the Bermuda Triangle as well. Ooh. So there's lots of stories of ships around that period of, of of ending up grounding with no one on board, but the ship is in, intact. But there's no blood. There's no. I, and if it's piracy, that they would have taken the ship. I love the theory of that perhaps aliens took them. And there's a wonderful, uh, a few films and TV programs that have, where, you know, people have turned up, haven't they, from the 1940s and they've just arrived on a beach confused. They don't oh, know where yes. they are. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was, was it called the 4400 or something? That's a really, yeah. for those people who haven't seen it, it's a it's really, really good TV series. It's, it dates back a, a few years now. Out of all the ships, and we've investigated a few, as as I've previously just talked about. But, you know, which one was your favourite? Because I know you, you still, uh, with Most Haunted Experience, do uh, SS Great Britain. Yeah, I mean, SS Great Britain is um, it's such a remarkable ship. Mm. And it's a remarkable piece of history that still, obviously, you can never float again. I mean, when you're inside and you look at the hull, you can see the outside. So, mm. um, but... Uh, and all of the, you know, it, it was a mess when they got it, but they they made it back into the ship that it was. And it's fantastic. It's, it's an honour to be just on it, to know that this ship is a part of great British history, um, certainly industrial history. The ships I would like to go on, there's the Lusitania that's, that's still a wreck. I'd love to get down there because, you know, divers have been down there and they've seen 
faces. We, uh, really? Yeah, in Iraq. And you imagine, I know it's one of the, the most famous ships in, in, in the world, but the Titanic, for instance. Mm. You imagine if you could get down there and, and do an investigation. Mm. I don't know how you do that. But I think my, my favorite, one of my favorite ghost stories of ships was um, the Octavius which again is quite a, a, an old, not many people know about it, but this was a ship that, that was um, goes back to 1775. Uh, a, a, a whaling ship uh, called the Herald uh, found this ship just floating, just 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 uh, off the off Greenland, and it found the whole crew inside completely frozen to death. Imagine this: you're on this ship and everyone's frozen in in the various states. Um, so to add to this sort of this this you know, this this enclosed area where dead bodies are just in state mm. different states. Some would have been looking at you, frozen with their eyes still open. <laughs> some um, they go into the captain's cabin and they find him sitting at the desk with a logbook in front of him, finishing a log entry from 1762. Now they found this ship in 1775, thirteen years later. So that ship. Had everyone had died in 1770, uh, 1762 and had been floating unseen for 13 years. And it's still, even though they've, they've got the ship back, it's still now seen floating today. And there are even reports of people seeing the ship. And this is what fascinates me more, seeing the ship and getting on it. Mm. But the ship doesn't exist anymore. How amazing is that? But why do ships, why do we see them as ghosts? A huge object like that. I mean, we don't see... I'm just trying to think. Planes have been spotted. Yeah. Um, I think over the hills in Derbyshire, um, they've seen some World War II Spitfires yeah. going over, um, which is absolutely fascinating, and ships as well. I, I, I find the whole thing just mesmerising. I really do. Well, I think it's things like... Um, you, know, you look at the Flying Dutchman, for instance. The Flying Dutchman is probably the most famous ghost ship ever. And there's huge debates whether it ever even existed. I mean, I don't think there's any report of a Flying Dutchman ship ever um, set in sail. However, it doesn't necessarily mean to need to be that ship. There could be lots of ship. It sank, uh, apparently it sank around the, 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 uh, the Cape, which many ships did because it's where two sets of seas come together and mm. it's, it's, it's very rough crossing. And I'm not saying any one person in the planet should be listened to more than anyone else. But, you know, you've got what was our future, uh, you know, King George V claims he saw, the, and, and it written in a, in a log that he saw, a phantom ship, which people looked at, said was the Flying Dutchman, but it could have been any ship because mm. we don't think the Flying Dutchman was ever an actual ship. It's just, I think, a, a name given to all of the ghost ships you see around that area. People have, have sat and, and, and watched a ship. They've been on the ground. They've been they've been on the dock watching a ship just slowly go uh, in front of them and vanish. And you think that these people thought it was a, just a normal ship but it's vanished and these are these are sensible people these are these are people who who are sitting there going well i've sat there every day for the last 25 mm. years never seen a thing i've not imagined it i wonder if it's because as we know when you have a contained amount of energy you know like we've investigated schools and prisons you get more act paranormal activity in places where there's been a huge amount of 
populace. So perhaps in ships, because they were all, you know, a crew and, and passengers were all squashed in together, as it were. You've got all this energy. Mm. And maybe that's what's creating this image, this phantom to, to show itself on, on the waves. Well, I, I wonder also if, if you go down to the stone tape theory mm. of, of, you know, stone tape, Theory, obviously, you need stone. But mm. let's face it, you've got water, which is one of the greatest um, energy providers mm. for the paranormal, as, as we know, when yes. we've been places. And yes, you, you, know, you have to, if you discount, you, you can't discount them all. You can discount some sightings, but you, ha- you can't say everyone's lying, everyone's made it up, and everyone's seeing things. You know, is, if water is this conductor for paranormal activity, then where better there to be than the energy and the rage of the sea that, that when the, the waves can hit? 100 foot, 200 foot high, these, these, these huge ships crashing through them, the energies of everyone on board fearful, and they would have been mm. from, I mean, right from when we first set sail on, 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 we didn't know what the sea was capable of. We still don't know what the sea is capable of. So you, you can't tell me even today there are sailors out there who aren't scared at some point when they get hit with waves. That's energy, and that energy stays. As yeah. we know, energy yeah. doesn't, mm. doesn't go. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. Do you think phantom ships are scarier or ones that have been mysteriously abandoned? We'll be back at the same time, same place next week. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. So send an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to this address, paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. And of course, you can send us a voice note uh, on WhatsApp to this phone number 075 999 that's 075 999 and we also have an Instagram page please follow us at paranormal activity pod and remember things aren't always as they seem Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.